Hey girls and gays. Hey girls and gays. Welcome back to another episode of I S. Oh, you go. <laughs> I heard what I heard. I'm your host, Mukundwa. <laughs> and I'm your co-host with the most, Nyakwezi. And this is the podcast where we close the gap between where we are and where we want to be. And who we are and who we want to be. Yes. So we've got such a timely topic today. We are so excited. We are discussing sugaring, blessy culture, mm-hmm. transactional relationships, and the ins and outs. Because we feel that sugaring has become a mood. Mm. A look. Um, it's become an aesthetic, which is perfectly fine. But they are sides of the conversation that we're not having. And I think people aren't getting a full picture of what the transactional, what the work in sex work looks like. Mm. And so we just want to chat about that. And we have our friend B on the line. Hey B. Hey B. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so thank excited. you, friend. We are so excited to have you. Yeah. Oh. Let's jump right into it. So, B... Can I ask a really unrelated question to all our listeners? Yes. The pronunciation pronunciation of aesthetics is not aesthetics, it's aesthetics. Can we have a vote on that in the comments? Well, what do you think? Oh my God! I feel like I've been using aesthetic. I don't know about I've been saying aesthetic. Mukundu is the only one that says aesthetic. She came from her outside countries (laughs) and now is making us all feel insecure. I came with outside things. Me and B are on the same page. We can continue. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so dead. Aesthetic is, is private school. Ooh, thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Thank oh. you. <laughs> Pretentious private school. Yeah. Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow, guys, already. So let's first define blessy blesser culture is the same thing as sugaring. It is a transactional relationship where um they are clear material gains in for the blessy, who is the sugar baby, uh, by the blesser, who is the sugar daddy, sugar mommy, sugar person. Um, so do you guys think that blessy, blesser culture and sugaring is having a moment? Like, is it kind of a, a thing at the moment? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm interested in that, B. Um, can you expand? Because I feel like all kinds of sex work adjacent, sex work light stuff used to be on the fringes. And now it's really like in the open and it's glamorized. And I'm so mm-hmm. interested in that shift. So, yeah, why do you think it's been glamorized suddenly? Or not glamorized, but rather popularized? I think it's because, like, in the context of South Africa, the fact that there isn't, like, specific terminology, like, such as blessers, because we're not using sugar baby, sugar daddy. Mm. We're using, like, blesser, blessy. And that quickly gained traction because it was, like, a language that spoke to all of us. Mm-hmm. And to, like, everyone. So it started a conversation. And people don't realize, like, People that were against blessy, blesser culture are the ones that ended up popularizing for it for us because we got curious, like, what is blesser, blessy? Mm. And then we looked it up and we're like, wow, that sounds really interesting. And there were women at the front lines of it. And that's how it gained traction. Mm. I think the fact that they personalized, they personalized the movement for us, like, we were able to start conversations. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. So in them, in them trying to like shun it or whatever, it actually just brought it to life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh. And I think what's so amazing about South Africa is the people that were against it attracted like feminists who were able to actually start a conversation of like sex work, 
bless her, bless mm. culture. And there were also like feminists that are blessers and blessees that were talking about how mm. this is like revolutionary, like you make your own money, you set your own time, basically fuck ca- capitalism, let's hop yeah. onto it. And here we are. Mm. I love it. Hmm. I have a question about that. So I've just forgotten that bless you, bless Aha, uh-huh, okay. Do you think is it as simple as having is it is it you said setting your own times? Is it a freelancer job? Is being a blesser <laughs> blessy just being a freelancer? Um, yes. I think it's basically setting your own time, which is how a freelancer works. You set your own hours, um, you decide who you want to work with and you decide on like you basically like in charge of like making money. And you don't have to pay back to anyone. It's like your own money, your own hours and stuff like that. But like, Mm. again, with like freelancing work, there's also disadvantages to it. Mm. So that's where it becomes tricky. Yeah. Can you just define in your own words, what is um, blesser, blessy, culture, transactions? What is that? What's the job description? Um, it, it's basically, um, coupling up with somebody who has more money than you and they are paying for your time, uh, with money for your time, affection. And while you set the condition, do you want to be more affectionate, intimate? You set the, the, the rules for that, but it's basically paying for my time and understanding time is money. So for you to spend any time with me, you have to pay for it. I mean, you set the criteria for how much they pay so i think that's like in Mm. the simplest terms and how does that so all things being equal that sounds perfect it makes sense Um, we all have an hourly rate uh regardless of our job we all have like a monetary value on our labor when it comes to blesser blessy interactions my concern or Something I want to discuss is the power dynamic is that let's assume you're a student, you're a female, you're 21, and you're having this interaction with a 40 year old who's an exec director at a bank. How do you, and especially with the context of patriarchy and moreover in South Africa, where how women's bodies are regarded, the femicide lives, yeah. Is yeah, is wild. How do you manage and monitor um the power dynamic so that you are still benefiting and you have yeah, and you can kind of control how you're treated? Because in work, even though it's perceived I think we have contracts at work, we have the CCMA, which is um the labor court in other countries. Uh and that gives us I don't even know if it's perceived protection as much as at least perceived or the threat of protection it's actually definitely protection and it keeps um employers in line because they know that they can stand to lose a lot of money so it is protection it is actual protection yes it is protection but i think my my thing is so so ccma is protection contracts aren't as a freelancer i can have a contract for my voiceover but if the person in germany doesn't want to pay there's only so much i can do because ultimately i don't have the money to take them to court right so ccma is protection contracts aren't really it depends on your power already so as the freelancer in this as the blessee in this interaction how do you protect yourself how do you advocate for your workers rights 
Um, okay, so I'm just going to like jump into this question, uh, speaking on my personal experiences. Mm. So a few months ago, I made a post on Twitter about how we need to be very careful when we talk about the blessy blesser culture, because mm. young women are listening in on these conversations and we are basically glamorizing like the blessy blesser culture, but we're not taking into account that there is an uneven power dynamic that exists between like in these interactions, especially with like mm. cishet men. Who have money mm-hmm. like there's already mm-hmm. that so we need to be very careful with the type of advice we tell young girls to you to utilize when they are looking for blessers and this was basically like speaking to my own personal experiences because i was 20 21 i already had a clear understanding that every interaction with the cishet men is transactional yeah because mm-hmm. we exist in a patriarchy society and right now there is a huge cap- uh, um, wage gap so because of that uh, I can never be on even terms with men. They have to pay for my time one way or the other. So like mm. every interaction, whether it's intimate or not, whether it's romantic or not, but if it's with the cishet men, we just need to understand that like I am operating at an intersectionality. And because of that, there are so many ways I am oppressed. And here you are with your privilege. You need to make my life easier for me if you're going to be in my life. So, but now when money is involved, I honestly, now at 24, my one thing would be make sure you always have your own money mm-hmm. before you start this. Like money for morning after pill tomorrow, money for antibiotics, anything happens, True. money for condoms, and yeah, like always make sure you have those things. And now the problem with that is a lot of people go into this because they have no money at all and they're looking to make money. Yeah. And men take advantage of that. Yeah financial abuse is is a very real thing in these interactions because they are basically dangling what you desperately want. Yeah. And they also, you must never allow them to set a fee of how much you can make because this is your body. This is your time. So some of them make like such like exaggerated, oh my God, demands like it has to be raw sex for like this set amount for like 10,000 and what, 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 what. Wow. For myself, I was in a, and I think people need to understand this, I was in a position of privilege. I might have been poor, but I was in a position of privilege in the sense that um, I had food. Mm. I had, I didn't have a lot of money, but I knew I couldn't stop. I had a support system. So if anything was to happen, I knew I could call you guys or my other friends were like, listen, I desperately need morning after pill. And I'm also in the health department. I'm a medical student. So mm. that means if anything happens, I can just quickly run to the clinic, wear my scrubs, go to the clinic and tell them this is what happened. I need A, B, C, and D. And on top of that, I had people that were studying in law. So I was very familiar with my rules. My mm. only thing that I didn't have was protection from like the, the police department. But I knew if I just walk in with my lawyer and be like, guys, this is what happened. You mm. need to help me they are more eager to help because like I speak the language and I have a lawyer present. So I was protected in that way. So I would suggest you go into this with all of this and just like making sure if anything happens, you have like your own money at hand because we are living in South Africa and with the femicide, like men cannot be trusted. And with rape, how do you even like talk about that? Because Mm. already people shun on sex work. Mm-hmm. and now trying to bring up like of like where did it happen and you're like okay now i'm a sex worker and like this happened already sex workers are not protected at all by the healthcare department or the police department like nobody's looking out for sex workers 
So it's all these things that you have to take into account. And like one thing that I realized is, as I was doing my research, a lot of it was coming from America. It was work published by black women in America. And as much as I could stand in solidarity with them and I could communicate with them on Twitter, Facebook and whatever, I couldn't relate to some of their experiences. Like especially like black women from the UK. They would talk about these high rates. So, like, for starters, I'd ask, like, how much do you think I should charge? And they would say something like, we must start off with, like, 50000 And oh, I'm talking to, like, someone else and to, like, a black man. And I'm like, how much do you earn? And they're like, okay, I earn 30000 And I have two kids, both of them are in varsity. So, I'm like, yeah. Econom- economically, it doesn't make ch- sense to charge that month because this person is already earning way less than what I'm demanding. Mm. And... Now, bringing this up to them, like, where I'm like, listen, most of the people in South Africa here are poor. There isn't such a thing as middle class in South Africa. And they'll be like, no, you need to charge more. You need to know your worth, blah, 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 blah. So, it's I, different. yeah, so it was definitely having conversation with people that didn't understand at all. So because of that, I was always struggling to name my price and I ended up actually not engaging in the blessy blesser culture i mostly like moved to like interacting with like students or people that don't in a lot where it wasn't there wasn't really like set boundaries or or like naming what we were doing transactional even though i was getting something from it but i'm not i'm not i don't think they were aware that this was purely transactional for me i was getting something out of it and like with transactional it doesn't always mean money it could also mean Mm. like um emotions like I need comfort. I am using you to comfort me because today was a bad day. That's where it becomes transactional. But like for me, I do think I was being dishonest because they weren't aware. But then I'm also like, I really don't care what men think. (laughs) I was not, I am not prioritizing your feelings, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the moment they came into my space and I had sex with them, like, I feel like... They were getting something out of it. But is it, I um, mean, on that though, is it always necessary to, um, uh, like be frank and upfront and put it down in black and white that this is a transactional relationship? You mean nothing to me. And this is, you know, like this is business. You know, I just wonder, I was wondering, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, how obvious do you make it? Like, does, and does it take away some of the, like the, the magic of illusion for both parties to, to like, to help you carry on doing what you're doing because yeah sometimes I think it might there's not be been, I think there's been two instances uh, because I was in Durban and it's a tourist attraction site I met like a lot of tourists yeah and I made it very clear from the first conversation I was like listen I see you live like 10 kilometers away or like 30 kilometers away what you're gonna do is you're gonna request my Uber and then when I get there this is my favorite wine. This is what I want to eat. Lovely. And this is what, these are my favorite condoms. So just make sure those are in hand when I pitch up and then we can have a good time. So they were very much aware yeah. that this is purely transitional. I am going to come eat my food, drink my wine, and then we fuck. And then I leave. Then you pay for my Uber. And then if I decide, look, I also want a lovely bikini since I'm in Durban. <laughs> you also cannot give me money for that. Yeah. So they were very clear. But now when I was back in Pretoria, um, it was very difficult to meet a lot of tourists because I think that's where the money is. Like people that are coming into yeah. town for like a limited ah. amount of time. Yeah, they are visiting and likely, likely they are most likely married. 
Okay. So, so now in Pretoria, people already stay here. They're not coming. What are they coming to do in Pretoria? So I couldn't, I didn't have access to those kind of people. And like, I always kick myself because I'm like, I had people like that in Durban, but mm-hmm. I held back because I was also scared. <laughs> I was like, what if I die? Yeah. yeah. So like, let's not do it. But so, in Pretoria, it was, it was difficult to meet people like that. So I didn't feel the need to like lay down the law because they mm-hmm. were coming to my space. But even in my space, I'll just like make small demands like, oh, hey, you need to feed me or you need to buy this specific condoms like you need. And I don't think that's transaction. I feel like that's the norm. Like you should say that. Like you should say, I want you to feed me. I want you to like thingy. And then he says, I like this kind of sex. And you say, I I feel like those conversations form part of like what I call non-sexual intimacy. Mm. Question about that then. Chicken or egg? So are you, is B saying... I like to have sex and I like having intimate interactions. So let me monetize or let me, um, let me set a standard so I can get what I want out of it. Or are you saying I'm starting from a place of I transaction? So let me add the intimacy and the, and the sex work to like upskill and add more value for, to my trading skills. Which is it? Then it definitely used to be I'm starting from transactional. Everything okay. else will follow. Okay. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Then I was very desperate for money. Uh, my parents weren't working, so money was tight. So it definitely started from a place of transactional. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, and and that's why it strikes me as as you had said earlier, B, that I think sugaring and and being a blessy, it it's it's really beneficial if you want it and don't need it, and that already is a barrier in itself because it's often. It makes so much more sense. I mean, the people who need it should have more access to a level of sugaring that can provide from them. And the people that want it, um, often that's not their last resort, but because they operate with that ease of being middle class or having a lot of um, security already, like people in the US and the UK, uh, and I, and I think that's not communicated online. I think when we see the end goal of he just got me a Birkin bag, look where I'm in Paris now, we're not understanding the economic privilege and passport privilege of the people who are doing this kind of thing. I don't think we have enough resources, Africa-centric, South Africa-centric, Global South-centric, um, because we... I mean, I went to a workshop by someone in London and she was talking about sugaring and what she does and she was making racks and it just, as you said, I mean, starting from 30,000 pounds, I mean, it doesn't, that's the, the, the people on Twitter and Facebook, um, the girls and uni students, uni students from the global South, we're not going to fall into that bracket. A lot of us are going to fall into that big middle band where you're not getting that money. Your payment will be in maybe emotional labor. Some food, um, will be in dinner dates, but not necessarily in a high monetary value that can actually kind of sustain you for like, two weeks and beyond. And I think we're not having those discussions. And so people are going into it thinking it's it's a Birkin bag, it's my rent. But is it really when you're in South Africa, what does it take for you to build up to that level? What do you need to look like, do? What spaces do you need to occupy? Because um, that's important. Yes. And that's where I think people also forget to mention that's where uh, desirability politics come into play. Uh, pretty privilege comes into play. Mm-hmm. Then privilege comes into play. And also like access as well. So like geographical isolation is also a real thing. 
So now people don't understand places like Cape Town, places mm. like UK, America, wherever, they are more progressive in terms of like how they talk about sex. Even though they still like, they still have to go, come, they, they still have a long way to go. They are still having progressive conversations about sex, like different kinds of sex, or in different kinds of sex work as well. Fetish sex, um, food fetish, like they're inclusive of all different kinds of sex, even though they might not necessarily understand the other or the other. But they are still having like those kind of conversation now. Trying to bring the same conversations in Pretoria, it's a whole different thing. Because for me, I was coming from Durban. I was coming from communicating in people with people in Cape Town, and I was very familiar with like BDSM. I was very familiar with what it takes and everything, and how it looks, and how after care is a very important part of BDSM. So now I come to Pretoria and I meet this random person who's like, I'm definitely like interested in BDSM with you. And I'm like, okay, so what are your conditions? Like, what, what are the roles we're supposed to play? And he goes blank because he only understands like BDSM from, um, what's 50 shades of gay. So it's that thing of like geographical mm. isolation as well. Like here, they aren't that many people. They want sex. They want transactional sex. But like outside of that, they don't really have an, a clear understanding of what like sex work is, what it entails and what I can demand. They think they're doing me a favor. I'm like, that leads. I mean, I have a question about that. Like, what is the, um, Mukunda mentioned earlier, the power dynamics, but like, who's the boss? Like, if I'm thinking of my mm-hmm. job, like, who's the boss in the situation? Like, or how does it work? Are you on equal footing when you have a good, a, like a good partnership? What's the understanding? Like, whose say yeah. goes more often, if you know what I mean? And can you answer when it's at its worst, what is that power dynamic? At its most, um, Typical, what is the power dynamic and at its best? The power idea. dynamic mm. is definitely like the uneven financial balance. That's the first thing. Because I came in with like a zero mm. bank balance and this person is saying, I earn this much money. And so now the, there was definitely like that uneven financial power dynamic that already existed. And men thought like they could negotiate more, demand more from that position because they are essentially paying and I was like, no, right. no, no, no. This is like a transaction. We are exchanging gifts, essentially. I am giving you this thing. You are giving me that thing. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty much insisting I can get this from everyone else, like every other girl. And I was like, that's perfectly fine. You can definitely yeah. go and do that. Yep. You can go to every other girl. <laughs> exactly. And now there was also, so for me, like I always like to know what I'm going into before I start having sex. I want to know which positions because I feel like that forms part of consent. I want to know which positions we're going to be doing. I want to know, are you going to choke me? I, I ask like a lot of questions. I want to know what you like and also want you to be very clear on what I, what, what I like. So like there's no confusion when I say, now let's have inner sex with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want there to be any surprises. And I don't believe that it takes away from like the, the intimacy or it takes away from that wow factor. Of, no. I feel like it forms part of consent. Of so, I'm not surprised as well because I come from a, a sexual uh, tra- trauma history. So mm-hmm. I do have triggers, and I'm very much aware of my triggers now. So I feel like that conversation forms part of like making me feel at ease. So now, when we're having that pre-sex conversation, they start demanding more, or they say, "I can't do this. I can't be going down on a girl." when I'm paying for sex as well. Blah, blah, blah. So whenever, so I would advise to anyone who's in, who's thinking of going into sex work, like whenever they start disagreeing or demanding more than you can do, don't do it. Mm-hmm. No matter how badly you want the money, mm-hmm. don't do it. Go left. Yeah. Because if they can't respect the simple thing, 
they, I don't think they're gonna understand when you say no during mm. the act. Yeah. So don't do it. So yeah, now when I think of like yeah geographical isolation, like I mentioned, like I'm in Pretoria, and like Pretoria is not at all like Cape Town or Durban. They aren't. It's it's. I struggled to meet like-minded people, and that's why I ended up creating like the sex group that I admin on Facebook and whatever to meet other people. But like in Pretoria, like physical connections with people, I didn't have that. Well, people that thought of like sex work, they found me fascinating. I'll be there like, oh my God, I was in Durban and I did this. And like, oh my God, that's so cool. And they'll be like, personally, I wouldn't do it though. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I think it's very important for you to understand that you are not desperate. Right. And you can exhaust all of your other options before like you consider sex work. Like if you're desperate to make money, exhaust all of your other avenues before you consider sex work because you are desperate for money and it's very easy for you to take whatever. It's also very mm. easy for you to take disrespect. Mm. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's part of like the job description. No. So like you're not desperate for money. So if you really can exhaust all of your other options, like please do it. And it sounds like I'm discouraging like sex work, especially to people that are desperately in need for it. And it's I want them to go in like knowing the full story. I want them to go knowing in that you you still need to think of like birth control. You still need to think of morning after pill. You still need to think of getting tested. Like the only thing that's free in South Africa is the HIV test. The others yeah. cost money. Mm. And if you go to the government sector, there's gonna be long, long queues, and they might not tell. They might tell you that we don't have the specific thing to test for the specific um, STI. That's why we can't do it, and you don't get those test results. So you just need to think about all of those things. And yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. So, but mm, okay, yes. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend it as like a lot. Um, a desperate resort. as a desperate especially if you're desperate yeah. yes to go into yes. it but if you're not um and you're coming from a place of relative stability like you were saying you have support of like say lawyers you've got you know what to do health wise mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um you're studying you know your you know your mm-hmm. life is um in a bit more of a stable position mm-hmm. um would you from where you are now um, do you have aspirations for sex work long term? Like, do you think you could see it fitting into your lifestyle um, even, you know, for for a while longer where maybe you do get um, posted in Cape Town for your, you know, the thing that doctors do? What is it? Comserve and all those things. Like, yes. is that something? Would you keep going? Like, is it has it crossed over to maybe enjoyable more than a, a job, you know, or, or work? Like, I've got to do this to to get some money. I would definitely consider it. If I met uh-huh. the right person with the right bank account, definitely consider it. Uh-huh. Because I'm thinking I could be in my bag and also in your bag. I could be camping inside your wallet. <laughs> Why the fuck hey. not? So, I mean, all of the money that I was going to use to spend on myself, I can just redirect it to saving up. Like Correct. maybe now I can like invest in the car that I really wanted. Maybe now I can use the money that I was supposed to spend on me to go on like vacations and then you pay half of it. Cause now I can negotiate and say that you now need to handle one of my bills. You're either going to take oh, electricity yeah. or rent, but now you need to look at ways you can make my life easier before we even start discussing like how much you're going to pay me. Yeah. So like I must come to you well rested, like ready for sex, <laughs> ready for whatever. And the best way to do that is giving me money. Yeah. And. <laughs> I found out that people with money 
they don't think that's a problem at all. They're ready. Sometimes you don't even need to tell them. They're already like, okay, I'm going to get you an Uber. And what do you like drinking? I've met people like that. Yeah. Like, I didn't even need to tell them this is what I like. They just asked like already. So like, I would definitely do it. And I'll also make it like very playful. And so like it fits into my life yeah. because now I feel like I can pick a better candidate be based on like how sexually compatible you are. And if there's any sexual um, attraction, then I can definitely pick if the conversation is vibing. Because I feel like at 21, it was just like, wham, bam, thank you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now it's like, yeah, like now at 24, I'm like, conversations form part of like foreplay. Yeah. So it will be, I'll be interested in like talking to somebody. And then I've also, I also feel like they are men within these spaces where women are talking about feminism, transitional sex, so they are very familiar with the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So if I can find somebody who can who understand what sex work looks like and understand why I demand respect at all times and why consent is so important to me, then why not? Like have fun and have somebody make your life easier. Why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think. What I learned, so after I went to this course on um, on sugaring in London, course, yeah, it was like a hangout. Just realizing, I think on the ground, so that was interesting, that was fascinating, and it sounded really glamorous. This person had their um, apartment paid for in London, they had um, a sugar daddy in every city, and that was dope. But then on the ground experience, really just starting to think about, so like with B, after three years in the game, um, you've culminated all this research and knowledge and experience, and now you can navigate with even more intention and even more specificity. And that sounds very much like a job. And that's what we do when we get a new skill. That's right. We have to test drive it. So it's not fast money necessarily. Um, and if you, and like, there has to be that willingness to have the learning curve, which was probably your first year or maybe all three years where you really think if I talk to this man or like I'm his emotional, if I provide emotional labor to this man for six months and all I get is an iPhone, an iPhone, 20,000 rand divided by six months, that's actually an hourly, that's a monthly salary I could have gotten if I was at a call center. So is it actually really looking at what you earn, being like an accountant and looking at what am I receiving? If I divide this into the hours I could have worked a job and the occupational hazards and the enjoyment and the longevity, is this making sense? Um, because I think, as you said, time is money and sometimes we can treat it like it isn't. And so we'll be like, yeah, I'll put in all this work. I'll be, I'll put in all this emotional labor. I'll hang out with this guy to get a MacBook at the end. But what is that? How long is that after? Mm. And how could you have gotten that? Were there easier ways? What is the true end goal? And like, what is really your intentionality? Because you've talked about, you are attracted to cishet men amongst other people and you are going to, you're going to engage with them for the rest of your life. So you might as well make it beneficial, um, to you. You might as well, you know, formalize that. And that's intentionality. So I think that's missing in the discourse online is it's like not fast money. And if you're going in it for fast money and glamour, you're misunderstanding the transaction and the work part of the sex work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh my God. I didn't understand any of this or never thought about any of this at 21. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
no. For me, it honestly, I, wow. I actually thought I was really smart at 21. I was very cocky. <laughs> Didn't we all, I was babe? very arrogant. Oh my God. I was very cocky. I was very arrogant. And I really thought I had nailed this. I really thought like, oh my fucking God, I am 21. I am talking Friends. to this 30-something women. And they are just there like, oh my God, I've never orgasmed. And I'm just there like, what? At 21, I am like killing it as a black woman right now. I am... Honestly, I was like, what the fuck? I am now having sex how I like it. Yeah. I demand more. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, they played you. <laughs> like, yeah. You are doing so much emotional labor. Mm-hmm. And you also didn't have clear boundaries. Now, this is like personally, like you didn't have clear boundaries. And you thought you were so kind, so empathetic. Hence, you can listen to them, put all of their shit onto you. Because you thought, oh my god, these poor, broken things just need like an ear to listen yeah. to. But that's emotional labor. Yeah. They ended up getting more from this transaction way more than you do. Because yeah. like the problem with me is like my coping mechanisms then were very unhealthy. So I wouldn't actually like unpack the next day and be like, okay, so how was this interaction? Like I'll just like move on or like just like not think about it or like divert my attention to school, whatever. So, and then at the end of the year, I suffered from burnout, mm-hmm. like, and I ended up having to be, yeah, no, actually, no, it was like in the beginning of the year, I suffered from burnout and it happened again the next year and I had to like move places to just like start afresh. So I wasn't thinking of like how much of an emotional toll it was taking on me because I didn't realize that trauma is not always like something that like you feel at the moment like sometimes it's like accumulated like you're accumulating it over time you're putting in so much onto yourself over time and then also in that like i didn't realize like how sometimes they'll gaslight me oh man yeah so i wasn't because like even when we tried to have like intimate conversation i i wasn't aware that they were gaslighting me it's only now at 24, I was like, I actually lost way more than I got from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't as in charge as I thought. Now I definitely think of like other ways to make money. And because I decided in the beginning of this year, I'm going to improve on how I use money and how I gain money mm. and to also work on like my financial traumas. Mm. So now I'm more comfortable talking about money. I'm more comfortable looking for ways to make mm. money that do not involve cishet men. So when I think of like, let's say like right now I was looking for like an iPhone charger and I was like, okay, so for my business, let's see how long it's going to take me to make enough money to get an iPhone charger from the profits. And then there was this other person who was just demanding like way less for me. And then what I got from it was like for like an iPhone charger and it wasn't transactional. Like that wasn't the intention to go get like an iPhone charger, but it was because of like the way our dynamic had become, it was, it became transactional. Like he wanted like emotional connection. Mm. He wanted somebody to talk to. And then I was like, I'm willing to provide that space for you. And I'm not actually asking for anything, but I was just like, you know what? Maybe an iPhone charger is what I need. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. And then I got it. So now it's, yeah. So like I think about like those things. That is interesting. Like, yeah, so like I feel like at twenty four, I'm I have way more emotional intelligence, mm. and I understand money way better, and I understand myself way better. So it's yeah. easy for me to demand more or to just walk away from what I don't, yeah. what what I think won't won't gain me anything in the long run. So I'm curious, with both of you, all three of us, what do we think differentiates the boyfriend experience? 
um, versus transactional relationships. So boyfriend experience, meaning just having a boyfriend or a partner um, and the usual perks of a, a relationship. So I would imagine even in a relationship that's not considered transactional, you could get a, a, an iPhone charger. So that sounds, that's still within the, the n- that could be a non-transactional relationship. That could just be a part, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner yeah. thing. So what is the difference? Because I was going to say that sugaring and blessy culture is not an elevated boyfriend experience, but I think there might be a shade of gray um, where it can, where there is like a space in the middle where you're dating um, and it's definitely not sugaring, but it is saying um, I need really specific um, outcomes. I need you to pay my rent because that's what I believe a man does. For example, there are a lot of people who advocate like actual black mermaid on Twitter advocates for that. Um, there are a few people who are like dating coaches who are in that, that area between relationship and transactional. Yeah. So what is the, what do you guys think is the clear delineation then? Let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first because I think my answer is going to be short and incorrect. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> so for me, when I think of um, like romantic partner, say boyfriend or girlfriend um, partner, it comes with the um, expectation of emotional support um, without with emotional support, with with all of the nice things, but emotional support and accepting me in like all the ugly states and not needing to show up as my best. Ooh. When I think of transactional, there it's um it's it's a job. What it sounds like and what I felt, I tried for like two weeks and I failed abysmally. So, it, but it's a job, so I have to show up at my best, um, uh, so that it's a fair transaction because no one's going to pay me for nothing. I see. Um, even if my presence is the transaction, my presence needs to be on point. Um, so even I think with actual Black Mermaid, um, they talk about how you don't exactly. all of it. You're packaged. You're a product, exactly. and you need to show up. Exactly. You don't just get out of bed with your duck and you know expect and morning breath and expect to be loved. So, so that for me is the difference between those two. And then the, the one in the middle, I wouldn't say it, it becomes a relationship more than a work relationship, really. It's just a lesser degree for, to me, um, of transactional, because even though you might not get, um, a check at the end of every month or every week or whatever, um, if, if there are still small things that you, that you expect in return for, or that's understood that you will get in return for your time, your, your body and those things. Then to me, it's still just a a different degree of transactional. So for me, it's like just two things. Like it either is romantic, like romantic is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? The thing that like the person you want to spend your life with or two people, whatever, or the person that gives you return for your time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let me quickly throw that back at Nyak before you go be. Um, so Nyak, when you meet your Irish king yeah. and you really think about love yeah. and romance, would you expect or like, like them to be financially supportive? Oh, I see. Supportive? Not so much. It wouldn't be support as opposed to um, like provision, like, you know, if we go out, like he can, or like he would pay or he would do things for me or he would fly me here or what, like thing. I mean, examples like that, I wouldn't consider support because, um, like B was saying, like I've, I've got, my finances are in order. Like it's, you're not supporting me financially. You're just doing nice things for me. 
So how's that different to what you... That is a lesser... Is that not a lesser degree of a transaction? Oh, no, because I don't expect it in return for me being in your life. Okay. Like, you want to... Yeah, you want to take me to Disneyland. So you want them to want to. <laughs> well, well, well. Ain't the truth. Something else. I'm dead. Yeah. So, yes, actually, yeah. Because I, I want... Well, I would think it was good. It would be good for me to want to be there for them. I Like, I don't want to be there for them in certain ways, um, expecting that they do it in return. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's expected, but, like, not... Not... What's, like, not spoken expected, if you know what I mean. Like, it's... This is... A healthy relationship looks like this. It's give and take. And you feel like you're giving... Like, if both people feel like they're giving, you know, 60, mm-hmm. I think, I've heard, then it feels balanced. Um, so can I ask you another question? Actually, this is <laughs> turning into a rant. So you go to you go to Jamelis. It's a nice restaurant in Santon. Yeah, Ooh. you go to Jamelis or wherever. You go to Jamelis. Yeah. Um, eat, eat, eat. You go to the toilet. You come back, and he's like, "Oh, babe, I paid my half." He slips the bill to you. I mean, nigga, get out, get out of my face. <laughs> okay, interesting. Because he's not paying me for my time. It's it's the like the intention of it. So if he's because. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I think what it sounds like to me, yeah. when you say it's expe- it's desired but not asked for, what's the difference? Then you're just not asking for what, like, you'll be upset if it doesn't come though. So what's the difference? Because I think for me, it's like the values, I want our values to be aligned. And okay. I want you to understand what it's like for me to exist as a black woman in this world and what that means for me politically and why it makes sense for me that you would pick up financial whatever's and you're an Irish king. So like you're coming from the pound or the euro, whatever they use and it's stronger, like just be sensible. Hmm. Um, um, whereas, yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? So it definitely like, does. I think it's still gray. Be, not because of you, but because that concept, the way, um, I think that concept is gray to uh, me, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that idea of we, like, mixing love, I'm really interested in the idea of mixing love and romance with, um, material expectation and, like, that just assumption, yeah, that just assumption that, I think there are a lot of assumptions. You know what? I think the money is where it becomes murky. Like money has been made this thing that is external to how we function in the world. And that in a perfect world, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be there, but we are in this world and money is part of it. So it's like doing physical labor outside mm-hmm. and him expecting us to do 50 50 because we're both laboring outside, yeah. but he's so much stronger than me. So I will hand him the tools and he will do the digging and that's fair. And it's the same for me with, um, the, tr- with, with money. So it, with money and this patriarchal system that we're part of. So, you know, just acknowledging the privilege that comes with being a white male, um, you know, from Europe in this situation. Like it's just for me, it's just taking responsibility. So expecting that we go half, half for our burgers. Um, Mm. I can, but like, it's not necessary. Okay. It's yeah. So it's, it's like, I'm not being paid for, I'm not being paid. You know, you're coming to the, you're being fair. You're coming to the table. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But is that me? I mean, B, I don't know what you think. Like, is that me trying to take the higher ground? Like, not higher ground. Was it being on my high horse? Like, no, 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 no. I'm not being paid for this. You love me, so you're doing this. Or like, is that realistic? And then what are your ideas of the differentiations? Oh, my God. I I, I couldn't help but think of like my, 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 my previous relationship mm. more with my ex and how... 
it sort of like brought up the conversation. Like uh, my friend actually yesterday was, oh, I mentioned yesterday that, oh my God, I miss my ex. And my friend was like, do you miss him or do you miss the privilege? Hey! And I was just like, oh, damn. With friends like those, okay? <laughs> I was just like, oh shit, okay. And to be honest, when I started dating him, I was very clear. I was like, listen, this is who I am. These are my oppressions. I am a queer, poor neuroatypical blank woman. My parents are currently not working. Um, so I don't have any money. And I'm a medical student who has medical needs. And so he understood that, like, it doesn't make sense for us to go on a date and then we pay split 50-50. Mm. So he, if I needed to see him, he paid for transport. And if we needed to, let, let's say, when he planned for, like, our vacation... He, I literally was like, you're going to use your African surname to make sure we get <laughs> Airbnb. Tell him. So now, and that's pretty much like how I'm going, if I ever get married, which I doubt, that's pretty much like how I approach marriage. I will marry, if I, if you want me to take your surname, it has to come with economic Mistake. interest. The privileges, yes. baby. Yes. yes. So when I want to like buy property or whatever, whatever, you, I need your surname. Mm. But if you have the same surname as me, it does not make sense for me <laughs> yeah. to change your surname because for starters, I'm going to be Dr. Yeah. I end up using my surname. And when I start publishing, it's going to be Dr. Because I want to publish, I want to accomplish things before I get married. So I'm going to um publish, do all these things using my surname. And then when I change to your surname, that does nothing for me. People won't know who Dr. something something is. So I want to keep my surname. Mm-hmm. So I was very clear with this person. And now the problem is like, I wasn't aware that he also has a savior complex. And I do not want to bash my ex at all. I have like nothing but like love for him. Like, but I think he had a savior complex. Uh. So he was willing to do all of these things for me. Mm. So That's interesting. it's, and like, could, do you think that to like been, an outside? Oh, sorry. But do you think that could have been um like different? If you know what I mean, could that have been healthier? Like without his savior complex, could that have worked? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Without a lot of shit from our side, like our own personal baggage, yeah. it could have worked. Yeah. And sometimes I also play around with the idea that you know what, maybe we weren't meant to be, and that's also okay. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think without like a lot of like our emotional uh baggage, and if we had actually gone to therapy and like committed to it. Like it could have been like way different. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, maybe we just weren't meant to be like all this other stuff just like made it easier for us to shoo out of the door. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, but I really, I was in something like that where this person was very like, so now when it was time to study for exams, um, he printed out my entire notes. Aww. He came, he came and he made sure in the morning I had breakfast. I had supper when I came back and then he had folded my laundry so he was very committed to making my life easier. Mm. Yeah. So, and that's pretty much like how I approach relationships. I am a student. So there's no way, like no way. And I also come, and I think like I finally accepted this. As much as like my family struggled financially and like right now they're in a better place, but even though we're not where we want to be, I was very spoiled. My parents, like, we are come from a family of gift givers. Um. Like 
my parents just give me money. Sometimes I'll be like, please guys, don't spend any money. Remember, we're trying to save up mm. and the end goal is this. But I come from a family where I just get stuff and then that's how we communicate how much we love each other. And it's become one of my love languages, like yeah. giving and spending your money on me. Yeah. And I make it very clear when I walk into a relationship. I'm like, listen, this is what my parents do for me. You either step up or get the fuck out. (laughs) Question. So, and then they make the, yeah, sorry. (laughs) You can go on. Um, so I just want to read this tweet by at underscore floodlight. If you worked every single day making $5,000 a day from the time Columbus sailed to America to the time you're reading this tweet, you would still not be a billionaire and you would still have less money than Jeff Bezos makes in a week. No one works for a billion dollars. And then somebody calculated it. So. And it's true. Yes, it's true. Um, they calculated it. So let me just grab that up. Yeah, if you were, yeah, they calculated it, you'd only have 961 million. What? Um, whereas Bezos makes, uh, ooh. 1.925 billion. No, no, he doesn't. He makes, he makes some millions in a week. Oh, okay. (laughs) Still more. Um, and then talking about hypergamy, which we were discussing, Nyak and B, that the action of marrying a person of a superior class or caste, should we teach hypergamy in schools? Because I was thinking about it yesterday that as much as I think most people be like, yeah, I want to be rich. Most of us won't. And it's Im- for many people, it's impossible to work for the kind of wealth they want to have. And the easiest way to get well, acquire wealth is to join estates. So should we actually teach this in school and be like, listen, I know you all want to be lawyers and doctors and accountants and voiceover artists. Uh, you're 50 in this class. Maybe five of you will actually have the money you want to make. Consider marrying rich or consider dating rich. And and here's how to do that. Do you think that's... I mean, I think it's the most reasonable thing. I think we should have this at Sunday school. Like after whatever, after mass, we should teach people. Do you know, it just... Because we've like villainized money, it just feels so contrived. Like you're supposed to fall in love with the prince and oh, oh, and you're a prince? Then lucky you're being rewarded for your love. Like it's crazy. Which you can still do. So if you just date millionaires you'll land up on one for marriage so that's the point is like making your dating pool people who have a state to begin with so that you can fall in love with somebody who can provide yeah because um it just really hit me that honestly all my friends we all want to be rich to be honest if if i have 20 friends i don't know how many of, of us are really going to be in london if you're one of my friends in london you'll never own a house most likely it's it is nearly impossible and that's like a really sad reality that a lot of us Middle class people, aspirational folks who went to uni, we're not sold that. We're taught, work hard, you get, especially if you're black, get a master's, then your future will be secure. But will it? How long can I run on voiceovers? Mm. I'm 26. How long can I run on voiceovers? How do I make that money grow? How can, and there are many ways, but also the fastest way. If I married someone who already had five houses, who already had an empire, <laughs> do we see, like, I think sometimes the only way to elevate your money is to be born rich already. Or is to come up on some money and you do that with either the lottery or marriage. If you're looking for that kind of wealth. So not to, sobering. But I know it's sobering. But you, you know, yeah. really, if, if I look at my money trajectory now, what makes me think with the money I'm making now, what makes me think I'm going to have the money I think I want in my head in 10 years? Yeah. Where's the realism? <laughs> hmm? Friends. Woo! Let us, let us also swallow our spit and catch our breath, man. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Wow. Okay. I mean, so you know what? I Mukundra, you actually, for the first time in a while, I agree with you <laughs> in that we are really we're sold a lie or a dream or someone else's picture of reality that really I think produces um cogs in a wheel or cogs for the wheel just plugging everyone into um the machines for the for the the rich hmm. um yeah and I don't know the the kind of system it would take to teach people hey 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 like marrying rich is also an option um or or coupling with rich people is also an option if that is your aspiration um i think we i think we're a far we're a far away from that but yeah the, the the only thing is that like it would take away from like oh i wonder if it would take away from like the personal responsibility to just to 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 do something to enjoy life to express you know yourself in the best way you can and and have a good time as opposed to putting like um being rich at the pinnacle of that if you- interesting um i i hear that i wouldn't uh, that's int- I, I don't think so i think that's when people that false equivalence that if you're thinking about money you're not thinking about like genuine stuff when actually True, okay. a lot of times the most rich people get to be the most genuinely expressive because they're not worried about food. And so I think that's preached to the poor that, you know, mm. money, there's more to life than money when, <laughs> when actually it rules every, everything. Yeah. Almost everything. I really love uh, what you said about bringing this into high schools. And I laugh because I was thinking there's already so many conversations that we need to start in mm. high school. <laughs> And so, like, this is gonna like be at the yes, top of oh my the list God. because, like, yeah, because there's so much that we need to like bring into thingy, and also like, also like, make sure we're building like the emotional intelligence of like these young people because, like, we can be able to have this conversation because we have accumulated a lot of knowledge as well as like emotional intelligence to like understand what it is that we're mm. actually saying. So I think like subjects like economics could definitely like start on like, hey, by the way, like not all of us are going to be millionaires because there is such a thing as class privilege and we are still like living like the ramifications of like apartheid. So like there's a lot of things that we need to consider and how if you're a black person or like a black queer woman, you're already starting at like Mm -hmm. a disadvantage. So for you to ever get to that point like this, it's going to be harder. So just like prepare them. So now when I think of, um, what else did you touch on? Yes. When I think of like black, um, like especially as black, uh, for me, like mm-hmm. a black queer woman, when I think about that and how when I am coupling up with somebody, I do really need to consider like, well, how much time am I putting into this relationship? Because I do believe because we live in a capitalist society, like we are paying our labor in some way. And my friend actually say this. She's like, we are paying mm-hmm. like your labor somehow in a capitalist world. So you decide yeah. if it's money or if it's emotional labor or intellectual labor. But every mm-hmm. time, and now I'm reading this book by Clementine Ford, and she mentioned that every every woman that couples up with the cishead men, they are working against their economic interest. So Ooh. as much as you have a supportive partner, as much as they are doing everything, you just need to consider that sometimes men don't think about who's going to refill the toilet paper. So she gave like her own example. They don't think he doesn't think about who's gonna refill the toilet paper, but it's always there. Um, sometimes I had to make like when I sit down and I make uh milk for the baby or when I'm breastfeeding, I calculated that to like how many hours would I have been making money at work. 
So she yeah, mentioned like right. all the stuff that she does in the house, and then she calculated how much like uh, a domestic a worker earns, and she was like, "This is how much I'm losing, plus the hours at work doing this, the hours of me waking up at night, like the fact that I had to bond the baby. I calculated all of that. That's hours I was mm. losing, like trying to build a family." So he, she actually ended up having a conversation with her partner. Was like, no, I actually need to like really seriously fit it, split it to 50-50 now because this is how much money I'm losing at work. So I think about all of those things and I can't afford to be with somebody who earns less than me. It like Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Me I'm, even equal. That's needs so, to be more my friends. It needs to be much more than me. Um, And that that's crazy. Just as you speak about that, B, like women's roles the requirement of women in society has not changed since the beginning of time. Um, but in terms of, yes, it, within like say a household, right? But men's have. So whereas it used to be on them to bring all the food back and then it, you know, moved on to, they were the only ones allowed to work and to get the high paying jobs. Now that women have been allowed into those spaces, it hasn't been. They haven't adjusted for us. They haven't adjusted. So women don't get compensated more because they have to give birth. They don't get compensated more because there's a time when they're away from the workplace. They get penalized when they come back and they've been out Uh for eight years raising kids. Um, you know what I mean? So actually it is, it's a losing game, bruh. So you, we have to fight, we have to adjust financially for that. And men still are required to do the same that they were always doing exactly the same yeah and i also think of like like this thing of taking somebody's surname and like wearing a ring and getting married it's it's gonna work against me in the workplace because now i'm in the health department and they i see how they reward men that are married because they think they have roots they think they understand leadership because they essentially like a father figure they have families so like they think about all of those things and how they and they reward that by giving that by promoting them and then if you're a woman they start asking like when are you planning on having a family how long do you think you're going to be away from work when you do come back are you going to be able to balance work and stuff like that and as it is there aren't even any breastfeeding centers in like hospitals like for like for for mothers to just like sit there and enjoy like a nice view and just like pump they have to do it while they're Mm. working they have to worry about their breast leaking while they're working so now it'll be i don't want to start thinking of like getting promoted and they ask are you married and then i have to say yes here's the ring i feel like all of those questions they're gonna start asking them and that's why i'm always thinking like i also don't want to think of like having kids because my friend mentioned that she was she thought of like starting a family and then she looked at like a house a normal house for just a couple is one million when you start when you want to have kids it's now three million in cape town so she was just like that's how much money it's going to cost me. And when do I get to enjoy like making money? And yeah, as much I understand, I completely, I'm in support of let's dismantle patriarchy. There's no such thing as black patriarchy, like all of these things. But like right now we are functioning under capitalism. And so we have to think about all of those things. We have to think. So for me, my thing is I always want to free up time to rest. Yes. So now I see, I saw this thing on Twitter where this person was like, if any, if a fight lasts more than three days, if I have to think about it or if you ghost me, you are costing me money because mm. I'm now using emotional labor to think about that mm. thing because I have anxiety as well. You're triggering my anxiety. So she was like, she thinks about all of those things. So for me, I also do the same where I'm like, is my time being wasted here? And then how much of that time is being wasted? What could I have been using that time to do? I could have been making money. Yeah. So like all of those things, I really do because I feel like 
women men and women don't think about money the same way like for men they are very good at prioritizing what's important correct and like selfishly so and it's not something we should aspire to be because that makes them assholes but they are willing to do whatever it takes Mm. to get where they need to be and if somebody's willing to if they can find somebody who's willing to do the emotional labor for them while they get there they're willing to do that And like for us women, like love, beca- for me, let me say me, at some point love became like the center of my world. And I wasn't thinking of like how much labor is really going into this because I just thought, oh my God, it's out of love. Like, <laughs> it's but, a trap. Yeah. So like, I really do think like we really need to think of love, like intimacy, who sees us for like who we are, like black women, like who understand I'm a queer woman who understands like I'm neurotypical. Like I need somebody who sees me. I need somebody who's kind, empathetic, gentle, soft, all of those things. But I also need somebody who understands money, Mm -hmm. who has a healthy relationship with money, who knows how to use money, but who also knows how to make money. Mm -hmm. And I just need like that transparency with money, with intimacy, with everything else. And that's what I'm looking for. And I'm not willing to compromise for that. And so now I'm, I always feel like every interaction I've been with has been transactional to some point. Mm -hmm. And I like, I have given something and they've given, cause like sometimes like I I had like some people that were very honest and they're like, listen, I'm not very good at the emotional labor Mm. part of like relationships and stuff like that, but I am good with money and I like spending money. So I'm going to spend it on you. And I was like, that works. That's okay. No, that's good for me. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. And there's something to be said for nothing trumps clarity. So I feel like if you believe that money interferes with romance and you wouldn't want to um, engage in hypergamy or dating up or including any form of um, like material clarity, that's totally cool. And that should be communicated. But if you do, that's totally cool too. And that should be communicated. And I feel like in a world where if we didn't have to work, love and romance could be considered outside of these structures. But because, as you said, every waking moment is you're, you're kind of with the tide or working against it in terms of what you could be earning with your waking hours, because like that's how mm-hmm. we've, we've quantified the human experience. Um, it does matter. Actually, this love and romance thing, though, I, I don't think it's... I don't romance. know if it's r- romance. This romance thing, I don't think it's natural, actually, when I think about oh, it. Oh, no, it was... Romance was invented. Right, 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 okay. Um, it was invented, yeah. Mm. Do you want me to look it up? No, no, no. <laughs> that's 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 all the facts I yeah, need. Yeah, so no, romance was invented, but I think getting away from this idea that in discussing estate, wealth, and money is somehow bastardizing love that actually they go hand in hand and it's a very respectful kind thing to do is to discuss how are we going to interact and engage in the same way even with friends like it's so kind and considerate to understand who's earning more who's earning less and how can we accommodate that in our friendship how does that work Mm. um in the same way with with love um romantic love that's a really valid conversation to have um and so i think yeah, that's just my take on to not think money is like villainous to consider. Yeah, I'm not definitely. interested in transactional relationships, but in my romantic ones, that is something I want to um incorporate. And I should, and if I'm going to be smart, I really should because how many women have we seen? How many of our mums, our aunts, our friends, women in the media have really been fucked over because this wasn't something they considered because they thought it bastardized romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I agree with you on that, and. 
Now, like, and I'm thinking of, like, my friendships as well. And, like, when we think of, like, going out, like, and I credit this to, like, my one friend. She's amazing. And whenever we go out, she always makes sure she, like, she lets me know. So this is where we're planning on going. This is how much food is going to cost. Do you have money? Uh, what's your what like, friend? Like, uh, yeah. And then, like, if she, and then I mentioned, like, oh, let's also go party. She's like, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. And what, 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 what. So, like, she informs me because she's very considerate of the fact that I'm a student and I don't always have access to money. And sometimes mm-hmm. she covers the bill. And then when I have money, I cover the bill. Sometimes she's like, don't worry, you, I'll take care of the rest. So mm-hmm. she thinks about all of these things. And, like, I recently, like, started a business and it's, like, slowly taking off. And, like, she's very supportive. She's, but she also understands, like, it's going to take a while for me to actually start, like, making real money from this business. And mm. that's pretty much like across all of my friendships. Like they understand, like especially the ones that are working and they understand that I don't have the same amount of money for them. So we can't just do like spontaneous dates. Like you have to tell me way in advance so I can save up for money. And that's just being considerate and kind. Like when you think of mm-hmm. like money, because money does, disadv- not having money does disadvantage me a lot. And mm-hmm. the money that I do have, I need to use it for so many other things. And I also have to pay. I, I made a tweet on, on Twitter that I can't believe I just spent 815 on my fucking drugs to help <laughs> with my depression. And then oh, no. my second tweet was like, oh my God, I'm accumulating NBCH debts. And the funny thing is I might kill myself before I graduate or I might be deported before I start practicing. And like, oh, it gosh. like blew up. <laughs> And we were like, this is so dark. I was like, but this is my reality. Yeah. I have debt. I have debt. Yeah. I have a lot of debt from studying medicine. Mm. So it does not make sense for me to think about love. Somebody that I'm going to be spending all of my time with and not talk about money yeah. and yeah. not talk about me having debt, what it means and not talking about what, why good credit is so, so important for me because that's what's going to help me pay off my credit. That's what's going to help me get money to make money. Mm-hmm. And right now we can't be doing like impulsive spending. Like we can't, you can't just like randomly. And like, I think when you have somebody who wants to spend money on you, they also must understand that you need to save up for money. Like you can't just like use your last money on you doesn't make sense i'm gonna be very upset i'm not gonna appreciate that fucking gift Mm. so like all of that like having somebody who's considerate like and and being considerate extends to like thinking of money and how money does affect me so it ends up being transactional but i'm just like i feel like it forms part of like being considerate and kindness yes just understand all of these things for sure i love that what a lovely note what a lovely note wrap up on Oh, B, thank you so much. This was so informative. Um, and it just like illuminated a whole, a few like nooks and crannies that might not be discussed in the mainstream, especially mm. about contextually what, um, blessy, being a blessy is like in SA. Mm. So thank you so much. Definitely. And my final comments are that, you know, I mean, I learned so much from this chat with you, even just the conversations um, that you have beforehand about the kind of things that you're going to get into, the kind of sex you want, the kind of positions, the kind, like the, the kind of interaction that I actually, that. that should be every conversation yeah. with every, um, I guess, What's it like sexual partner. Per- partner that you have, whether it's um, transactional or not. And then another thing I learned is actually the transaction 
transaction is a, a lot broader than I understood it to be. So mm. now I'm really starting to think more about um, to think about that. Like, what am I putting into this? Just like you were saying with marriage and taking surnames and all of that. All of it's a transaction. You're giving something. You're losing something. What are you willing to give up to gain? And what are you what are you gaining? I've learned so much. I'm so excited and grateful for this conversation, B. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just actually want to invite you to something. So I am facilitating um, at Brooklyn um, what's exclusive books. Ooh. So I pick a topic and then like, I facilitate like the conversation. Ooh. So like the, in October, the last Thursday, we're going to be talking about like how black patriarchy works against black women's economic interests. Yes, that is yes, fantastic. yes. Can we advertise, can we promote this on our platforms, like on the podcast? Sure, sure, sure. I would definitely send it to you. That's That's incredible. Yeah. So I definitely, I am, I want to end off with saying that I feel like as black people, we really need to like go to therapy if we have access to it. Mm. Therapy with your siblings, therapy with your parents if they are willing. And you also need to like, just like dedicate like a year in therapy of working through like your financial traumas i tell you it's yes. the best thing you can do for yourself i am 24 and i'm just like i am so grateful for my therapist for starting that conversation with me because my goodness i do not have money right now but i've never been at the healthiest relationship with money mm, than i wow. am right now wow. so i really do think like people just need to like start talking about money thank you so thank much you. that is thank such you, a that's a mood that, now that is That's a motive. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, B. So we're going to put B's Twitter handle in the comment section. You can continue that conversation, this conversation with them uh, via Twitter. And let us... Oh, but don't don't expect to be coddled like B will tell you like it is. <laughs> so... Yes, you'll get it. <laughs> and we will see you on the next episode. Please do continue the conversation on our Facebook group. We will link it below. Yeah. Um, let's discuss transaction and let's discuss how does discussing money and material intersect Mm. with love and romance um what are the pros and cons what are the kind of the learning curves and the disadvantages of sugaring and sex work if you've been involved or considered and where do you find your strength and your power in all of this conversation let us know in the facebook group let us know i'm really interested in undemonizing transaction i think that's my new passion now undemonizing transaction yes 